Exodus 32, and seeking God about what to minister on during this time of prayer and seeking the face of God, my attention was drawn to Exodus 32 as well as to 33. And this morning I want us to look at this idol of a golden calf. And I want to minister somewhat on impatience, impatience this morning. Exodus 32, I'll begin with verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, these be the gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Father, for the next few moments as we minister this word, I do pray you speak to all of our hearts. Prepare our hearts for a time of consecration. Help us, Lord, to sanctify ourselves today as we prepare to pray. And Lord, I pray something that I say this morning would minister to every man, woman, boy, or girl in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. Amen. The title of the book is Exodus. This book refers to Israel's deliverance from Egypt. They had been slaves for a very long time. The people began to cry out to the Lord because they wanted deliverance from their bondages. And God in his mercy and grace raised up an individual by the name of Moses and with many miracles and signs. The children of Israel came out of Egypt in a powerful way. We know from the scripture that there were numerous signs and wonders that were done. But once they got out into the wilderness, then the Lord told Moses, I want you to come up into a mountain and talk with me. The Bible says Moses took several elders. They went so far to the mountain. He told them, you can go this far, but I must go up into that cloud. Because on that mountain there was a cloud, and there were thunders and lightning at the top of it. The children of Israel were terrified, and Moses said to the people, I'll be back soon. That man of God ascended the hill, and up in that mountain, God began to speak to him about the tabernacle, the house of God, gave him the pattern, the dimensions, the colors, explained to them how to put it all together. 
Moses was in the presence of the Lord for some six weeks. And God was talking with him. I think all of us would love to experience the presence of God like that. To have God speaking to us face to face, whispering in our ear, giving us the information and the insight that we need for the season in which we're living. Moses heard from God, and he abided in the presence of the Lord. Meanwhile, down at the foot of the hill, the children of Israel didn't know what was taking place. They knew the man of God said he would return, but it's been more than a month, and he still hasn't come back yet. And you can see in verse 1, when they saw that he delayed to come down the mount, they went to Aaron. Now Moses was a unique character. Pharaoh was unhappy about the number of immigrants multiplying in Egypt. He told all of his men to go and find the male children and drown them in the river. I have no idea how many babies died during that time, but I do know that Moses' life was spared. God had a unique plan for this little baby. And when he came of age, he wanted to deliver the children of Israel, but he went about it in a carnal and fleshly way, and he even murdered a man, and because he was now on the run, he went out into the wilderness and lived as someone trying to escape justice. The Egyptian authorities were looking for him. And while out there in the wilderness working as a shepherd, God appeared to him in a burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people. So God will choose a man as flawed and as frail as Moses? Well, that should give you hope to know that if God could use Moses, God could use you. God doesn't look for perfect people. He looks for people that are willing to serve a perfect God. This man Moses stepped out in faith, and as I told you, he's now in the cloud of glory and in the presence of the Lord and the children of Israel because this man had not returned to them soon enough. They became impatient. Now, impatience will give birth to a lot of things that will create problems in your life. And you've got to be very careful as you enter into this new year that impatience doesn't lead you to do things that ordinarily you wouldn't do because you're in a hurry. There was a story of Abraham and Sarah. God had told Abraham and Sarah she would have a baby. Abraham and Sarah didn't believe they would have the baby in the manner God told them they would have it. They believed they were too old to have a child and that Sarah's womb was dead. There was no way that place could be used for conception. Because of that, Sarah whispered in her husband's ear and said, I believe it would be better if you went unto our maid and conceived the child by her. And that is exactly what Abraham did. And from that union came Ishmael. Shortly thereafter, miraculously, Sarah in her old age conceived and then gave birth to Isaac. But even with the birth of Isaac, Ishmael was still here. 
Sometimes what you give birth to through impatience will live with you for a long time. You can't get rid of it. Impatience. We think of the times in Scripture where people have not wanted to obey God and wait patiently on God, but the Scripture says you inherit the promises of God through patience. Impatience creates the conditions that gives birth to things that can harm you or hurt you. When they saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mound, the people gathered together to Aaron. They said, Aaron, we don't know what happened to this man. The man that produced the signs and wonders. The man that stuck his staff out over the Red Sea and it parted and we saw miracle after miracle. The man that turned the water into blood and brought the boils upon all the animals. The man that was able to throw his staff to the ground and it became a snake that devoured the other snakes of the warlocks and magicians. We don't know what happened to this man. And see, when you get into any place in your life where you begin to believe that God has forgotten about you, and you start thinking that the Lord isn't interested in you and he's forgotten your address, it's through that condition you become impatient. You feel like, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. And then sometimes when you do something, it's something that harms you for the decades to come. Plenty of people have gone through this. Plenty of people have faced this. Moses is up there on the mountain receiving ministry for the children of Israel. And while he's up there receiving the word of God, the people are down in the valley betraying him. He's up there interceding for them, but yet they are down there betraying him. Have you ever thought that Moses was a type of Christ and here Christ ever lives to make intercession for us and he's at the right hand of the Father? And even as he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father in heaven, what are we doing down here in the valley? Are you turning on God? Have you turned on Christ? What was 2022 like for you? Did you serve God faithfully with your whole heart? Or were you impatient? God didn't move quick enough for me, so I had to move on my own to do things. And you may have created problems that won't help you in the coming year. They said to this man of God named Aaron, Make us gods which shall go before us. We don't know what happened to Moses. Well, just like them, we've been waiting for Jesus to return. People have been hearing for hundreds of years, if not 2,000 years, that the Lord one day is going to return. He is going to return. The Bible teaches He's going to return. But while we're waiting, let's not build gods. Let's not create idols for ourselves to occupy our time, our energy, and our resources. But as we wait on the Lord, let's occupy, as the Scripture says, because we know that eventually he's going to return, and when he returns, he's going to take us to a place that he's preparing for us. That's what the Scripture says. So Aaron said to these people in verse 2, Give me what you have, and what they had was gold jewelry. And the reason they had so much is because when they left Egypt, the Bible says, they were told to borrow of the Egyptian neighbors. The Egyptian friends gave them all of this stuff. And so here comes Aaron, and he takes up an offering. 
not to help lead them into greater worship with God, but to build an idol. They contributed willingly and happily. And it says they tore off their earrings and all of that, gave it to Aaron. These were thousands of people, possibly two million people or more. Can you even imagine how big the piles of gold were? They brought all kinds of ornaments, jewelry. And that man Aaron, who obviously was good with his hands and understood how to work with specific tools and was a specialist in crafting and carving things. He was able to take all of that gold, melt it down, put it in a cast, and produce a cast. And then with whatever tools he had, he spent time working on it, chiseling on it, making sure that it looked just like a cast. Now, you may think, well, okay, they're returning to the religion of Egypt because the Egyptians certainly had various bulls that they worshipped, the Apis bull, and another bull that they would dance around and worship, possibly. But remember what they said to Moses. They said, make us gods that will go before us. They are wanting a representation of the God that delivered them. They want something physical. They want something tangible. They want something they can see, an idol. And Aaron spent time on this. He spent time graving this and working this and shining this. And the people watched him in the background as he put all of this together. And finally at the unveiling, put it up on some kind of a large platform because it must have been big. If he had to build an altar for it, it was big. We're not talking about a calf the size of something you see jumping around here in the field during the springtime. This man built something that was huge. They built an altar, and the next day he said, look, we're going to have a feast, and we're going to make sacrifices unto this. And the people stood in awe with Aaron and said, here be the God that brought you out of Egypt. How scandalous was that? Do you understand now why God says we're not to have any images of God? This is why. No images. We think it's innocent and cute when we see people go into churches and genuflect before symbols and images. Nothing cute about it. It's sin. It's a snare unto the heart of any man or woman that would honestly believe that they would need to humble themselves before something visible and tangible. There is not an image in this world that died on the cross for your sins. Not for mine either. How would they ever have believed that something that was made by hand could actually be the God that delivered them from Egypt when they saw what Moses did? It's because they're impatient. And when you're impatient, you start seeing opportunities. You start seeing things as blessings that are curses. And when you're impatient, you step into things that you think are going to help you, but essentially they're going to become a snare for your soul. That's what he did. I don't know how much time it took Aaron to 
make this, but let me ask you this. How many idols do you have in your life? Yeah. How many idols do you have in your life that control you and control you to the point that you honestly believe this is what God has designed my life for, but that thing consumes your time. It consumes your energy. It consumes your resources. It brings you to a point where you look at your life and you can't even recognize who you are because you're different now. That's what a calf will do. That's what an idol will do. That's what an idol did. Just like with Aaron, you've probably been working on this idol for a long time. I've seen people turn and make an idol out of sports. I've seen people make an idol out of a career. I've seen people turn and make an idol out of things that delight them. That thing destroys them. Yeah. Some of the happiest people in the world, when they begin making contributions towards what they think is going to lead them and be a blessing, after they've made the contributions, then they realize later on, this thing is going to destroy me. So there's that man or woman who says, I need something to pick me up. They find a syringe and a needle. And somebody says to them, you just need to try it one time. And they try it. it changes their life forever. See, Now they can't get free from it. Aaron looked in verse 5 and saw the calf that he had made, and the people excited, having great expectancy about this. He said, tomorrow we're going to have a feast, we're going to have a party. And the Scripture says in verse 6, early in the next day they offered burnt offerings. Imagine an offering animal offerings to an idol that looks like an animal. That's the deception. Romans chapter 1 talks about people turning from truth to unrighteousness. And they turn from what is real and holy to worshiping, creeping things, and idols. This is what they did. I want to tell you right now, if you've got any kind of an idol in your house that you can carry from one shelf to the other, what's the point of believing that thing can help you? If you can pick your God up and carry it around in your pocket or under your arm, what good is a God like that? Yeah. And if your God needs you to create him or her, what good is a God like that? This man Aaron said, we're going to have a party tomorrow. And the scripture says that, they brought their peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink because whenever the Israelites had a festival and there were offerings that were made, at that point they also had a time of rejoicing, and it was a feast time. They rose up to play. How did they play? Well, later on in this chapter you discover, and Moses was 
in the presence of God, hearing from the Lord about the tabernacle. He's writing down all these things God is saying. He has no idea that down at the foot of the hill they're building another God while he's up in the presence of God. Then finally God says to Moses, get up and go down because these people have defiled themselves. He's got the Ten Commandments by now. The Lord has used his own finger to write in the tablets of stone to tell them, have no other gods, and so on and so forth. And he's coming down the hill, and at a certain point, he meets Joshua. And Joshua and he descend the hill together, and the closer they got down into the valley, Joshua said, I'm listening to these people. It, it, it sounds like they're getting ready for battle. They're getting ready for war. Something's going on here. Moses said, oh, no, I know it has a camp meeting ring to it and a sound to it, but I'm telling you, this is the sound of the people that have turned their backs on God. And Moses got down there, and the Scripture says he saw the golden calf, he saw the altar, and Aaron had talked everybody into taking their clothes off, and they were all dancing around that calf naked to their shame, the Bible says. Can you imagine? Millions of people, somewhat unclothed, somewhat scantily clad, dancing around a calf, and they believe that calf is their God. Folks, I'm telling you right now, God would never cause you to debase yourself. God would never cause you to defile yourself. But that is what happened here. You turn from God. You become impatient, and you end up like this. This is what happens. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Saul. Samuel told Saul, I'll be here to see you in about a week. I know the enemy is coming to kill you, but I'm coming. You wait for me. Don't do anything. The Bible says Saul noticed that the people were withdrawing from him. They were climbing up into the caves in the mountains. They were afraid. They were trembling. And he felt like since Samuel hadn't came, he needed to do something so the people could recognize he was the king. He became impatient. So acting like he was Samuel the priest, Samuel the prophet, he took animals and began to sacrifice them. And no sooner had he started the sacrifice, here comes Samuel walking on the scene. Samuel asked the question, why have you done this? Did I not tell you I was coming? And because you have offered these sacrifices and disobeyed the commandment of God, your kingdom will not continue as God had promised. Impatience. Because God had sought him a man after his own heart. Because of Saul's impatience, it created an opportunity for God to choose another king. Has your impatience ever done that? Has it opened up the door for somebody else to experience a blessing that God intended to give to you, but because you were impatient, the blessing went to someone else? That's what happened here. So I'm trying to tell you that we're to be a people that seek God, trust God, believe God. And as we move into this new year, let's just learn to wait. Because by waiting on God, you find your blessing. Yeah. There were plenty of times in my life when God had told me as a teenager that one day I'd pastor 
I had opportunities to take churches in different places on this planet. I turned them down because I knew that wasn't the will of God. wasn't God's will at that time. But I knew God had said I would pastor. And as I waited on God and prayed, I just said, Lord, I know you'll, you'll lead in God. And he did. And he kept me from a lot of troubles, just waiting on God, being patient. Passed up plenty of opportunities to get married because I was waiting on that one. I knew the call of God on my life. I knew what God had promised me, what he said that he would do, but I needed somebody that I could marry that would fit the call of God in my life. I didn't just need somebody to sleep with. I needed somebody that would walk with God. Somebody that would travel the earth with me when I went. Somebody that would let me go when they couldn't go. Somebody that would let me go when they wouldn't want to go. But I needed to be united with somebody that loved God like that and loved God more than they loved me. Because there are plenty of people, we've all met them, they become impatient. They start thinking, oh, my goodness, the years are passing me by. And before you know it, they marry and they settle. They settle. They just settle for anybody that comes along. Folks, if you want God's best for your life, don't be impatient. It'll produce an idol. It'll produce an idol. But if you walk with God and let him have his way in your life, he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll keep you. If you believe in God to open up a door for you this year for another kind of a job, Stand still and see the salvation of God. If you're waiting on God to bless your business, your occupation, you've had struggles here, difficulties there, before you become impatient and start making hasty and rash decisions, wait on God. I've told my wife plenty of times in years past when we didn't always have a whole lot of excess money for, for this or for that, I always said, Praise God, we have money to pay the bills we have now. See, we can pay the bills we have now. And because we weren't impatient, we didn't move out of the will of God. We just stayed right where God wanted us. When Dr. Hilton Sutton said, Daryl, come travel with me. Leave Nebraska, come be with me. I said, oh, that's not God's will for me. When a church out of Kansas City with 400 people called me several years ago and said, would you please consider coming down here and be our pastor? I said, can't do that, can't leave Nebraska. This is the will of God for me. When a church up in Hastings 20 years ago called me, wanted me to come up there and become a pastor up there, I said, absolutely not. The will of God for me is right here in the tabernacle. And when you know what God has called you to do, you stay right there because wherever the will of God is, there'll be that cloud, and wherever the cloud is, that's where the manna will fall. God will sustain you. God will feed you. Sure, there are a whole lot of things in the big cities other churches are able to do. They've got tools and resources and things we don't have out here because what they have access to, but the one thing they don't have in the big city that we have out here... You and me. See? And we that are here, 
we can reach this valley, we can reach this region, and we are doing so in Jesus' name. So as we go to God in prayer, let's just lay before God and say, Father, what is it that you want to do in this life of mine? How can I be a blessing in your kingdom? Let's not be a bump on the log. Let's spend time praying. Really pray. Open up that Bible if you need to. Read the prayers of Paul and Peter. Find something to pray for. But pray for this nation. Pray for this world. Pray for missionaries. Pray for one another. Pray for your family. Pray for people that you hadn't prayed for in a long time. So praise God. These altars are open. We're going to turn to and spend time with the presence, in the presence of God. And... uh After a little while, we'll get up, we'll talk just a little bit more, and then we'll head in our different directions. But as you begin to pray, expect God to talk to you this morning. Pray in faith and expect God. Amen? Amen. Let's spend some time in prayer.
Thank <laughs> you.